So someone could call me and ask, you know, what kind of spider is sitting on my counter right now? I need it dead. Or they might call me and say, you know, my soybeans are dying. What's going on here? So you have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades. Obviously, um, you know, you have an area that you know a lot about or that you're supposed to know more about. For me, it was it was livestock, of course. But you, you do a little bit of everything to help people with a lot of different stuff, which I think in retrospect really lends itself well to the fire service because you already have the customer service background. You know, you're used to dealing with people and your whole idea and reason exists is that you really like helping. So it kind of makes sense now that I think about it. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson. And so far in the first 16 episodes of this podcast, I think the average tenure in the fire service of our guest has certainly been well over 30 years, if not into the 40-year range. And that got me wondering what uh, what today's recruits or the new firefighters joining the service today were going through, what motivated them, and how did they get involved in the fire service? So I reached out to Battalion Chief Joy Nicely, who's the training chief in Chesterfield Fire and EMS, and uh, asked her if there were any recent graduates of the recruit schools that had good stories to tell and would make interesting guests on the podcast, and uh, she provided me with three names. And today in episode 17, you're going to hear from one of those uh, new recruits. Uh, Laura Siegel has been on the job less than two years now, and uh, started working in dairy, animal, and poultry science as a tech Virginia Tech graduate so uh, it's kind of an interesting story of how she got to dealing with animals and into the fire service and she tells her story today a couple of quotes that uh, Joy nicely shared with me was um, that uh, Laura's one of the is a huge inspiration to the women who are following her in the fire service and that quote pound for pound she is the strongest person I know uh, a while after she sent me that email, she sent me a video clip of Laura actually doing the competition. I think she mentions in the podcast here, and uh, uh, Laura posted on her Facebook page of the weight she was lifting, and uh, she lifted uh, in a bench press over her body weight, and she did a squat that was in excess of two times her body weight, and her deadlift was right at three times her body weight. And for anybody who's done any of those lifting exercises, you know that's uh, that's quite a feat to lift that kind of weight um, compared to your own body weight. So she's done a fantastic job and certainly demonstrated that she's strong enough and physically capable to do the job uh, very well. And with that, uh, I'm going to let Laura Siegel tell her story. Enjoy. So uh, let's let's start with you. Where um, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Howard County, Maryland, in a place called Ellicott City. Um, about uh, 20 minutes west of Baltimore, not not too too far outside the city. So, suburban area, not not too entirely different from the county I'm working in now in Chesterfield, actually. Cool. Um, so how did the, did you go to high school there? I did, I did. Yep. And then went to college at Virginia Tech. That's right. I graduated from Tech. Yep. Okay. So how? So give me a little bit of background on what you took at Tech. I saw some of your bio, mm-hmm. and it's 
nothing related to the fire department. How, what what was your college career like, and where did you go after that? Sure, yeah, it's quite quite different. Um, so I grew up just with a big love for agriculture, all things farming. So um, didn't grow up on a farm, but I was in 4-H, so I showed livestock. So that put me on this path in college where I decided um, I wanted to major in dairy science. Really liked the dairy industry. I'd been working on a dairy farm in high school, so that put me there. Um, studied animal science as well, so just grouping all the livestock stuff together that way. Um, and then went on from there and got a teaching master's in ag ed since that seemed like a good option. Um, so that was that was my focus for, for those years. I got out and joined the extension service, so again, working in an agricultural career. Um, and at that point, I hadn't really considered the fire service, honestly, just no one had ever said to me, hey, you know, you could be a firefighter. <laughs> so I had an uncle, um, he's a firefighter up in Howard County, so I heard a lot of good stories from him and always thought it was really neat. Um, I had met some firefighters, and a lot of the things they told me stuck with me. So when I got this job, I think back to all these times I interacted with one and just the impression it made and how things come around for full circle later, and you you start to realize the little influences that, that affected your decisions. But, um, yeah, it came around, I guess, um, through the extension service, um, we were putting on different types of programming for the community. One of the things we do is farm safety in response to farm accidents and things that happen so we can help people prevent those. And through that, we worked with some first responders to do teaching and education. And I thought, you know, I'd rather be the person that goes and helps with these things and not just the person that talks about it. So a lot of those thoughts kind of led me to coming to this decision that I wanted to do this. Cool. And you were uh, at the extension office in Amelia, is that right? I was, yeah. that's right. I was the Amelia County Ag Agent for about seven years, uh -huh. a little over seven. Yep. So what does an ag agent do <laughs> out there? That's uh, Yeah, that is the, the capital question. Everybody asks that. Um, it's a, kind of an odd one. People think of Green Acres. Um, so <laughs> I wasn't yeah. going there. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wasn't going to go there. But yeah, yeah, so basically it's kind of like being 911 for, um, for farmers and also for homeowners. So someone could call me and ask, you know, what kind of spider is sitting on my counter right now? I need it dead. Or they might call me and say, you know, my soybeans are dying. What's going on here? So you have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades. Obviously, um, you know, you have an area that you know a lot about or that you're supposed to know more about. For me, it was it was livestock, of course. But you, you do a little bit of everything to help people with a lot of different stuff, which I think in retrospect really lends itself well to the fire service because you already have the customer service background. You know, you're used to dealing with people, and your whole idea and reason exists is that you really like helping. So it kind of makes sense now that I think about it. Yeah, so they yeah. come to you with their problems, and you're, the, right. you're the fixer. That's now, right, now yep. They're, they're still, they're, now they just call you, and you come on a big yellow truck. That's right. So. That's, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't go priority one any soybean fields, unfortunately. <laughs> that would have been a whole lot more fun. So. That's right. Yep. So hey, what, you, you mentioned uh, you were kind of doing some work with the local fire department in Amelia was it the volunteer departments uh, um so we had interacted um not quite as much with them but there was a group that was forming based out of Powhatan that was trying to form a large animal technical rescue um, because there was a need for that in our area we just didn't have anyone really offering that other than um, Little Fork who had to travel a good distance to get down this way so um, I got involved in that to a degree because they were interested in getting um, some extension representation on there and also some educators that could help train those folks um, to handle large animals those that didn't have cattle and horse experience so when they respond to these calls they would um, be safe and no one would get injured as a result of that so um, that was one of the projects where I was working with some local volunteers and that was actually that was a regional effort so it was drawn in some folks um, Amelia, Powhatan, Chesterfield, Goochland um, so that that was one of the main projects I had while an extension that drew me into meeting all these people on the fire side. And what year did you get 
hired or, or or did you just apply to Chesterfield and got hired there? Or did you apply somewhere else? I had just applied to Chesterfield. So yeah. once I decided to apply, my plan was to apply um, anywhere that had an opening within driving distance that was going to work out. Now, it worked out nicely. Ch Chesterfield was where I wanted to be. Um, and at the time, with the hiring timelines, it worked out nicely because they went ahead and got me through the process before I had to concern myself with going ahead and pulling the trigger on some other applications. So um, that worked out nicely. So I was hired and started recruit school in January of 2020, right before the pandemic. So oh, yeah. it, was a, it was an interesting time to be alive. So <laughs> you were still in recruit school when March, that March time frame, the lockdown? Hit? I was, I was. And I think at that time, you know, like all of us, you know, many of us were thinking, oh, you know, this this isn't really going to make it here. And then it made it over here in the U S and then we thought, well, this is probably going to blow over and it didn't. So it, it definitely made for a unique recruit school experience. Um, and they did a really excellent job getting us through that, keeping everyone safe, um, making sure we could graduate without having anybody lose a lot of time or be, be sidelined. What, what was recruit school like then? I mean, did they, mm -hmm. st I'm, I'm assuming they still did the physical training, uh, live burns and all the obviously the classroom stuff did that change from january and february into the march and april time frame yeah so they, they absolutely made sure we could get the training we needed it just probably looked a little different and i can't really compare it because that, that's the only recruit school i've been through obviously but you know we we heard about how the others went from other people and it sounds like we got a really good experience so um basically the big difference was we were wearing masks for a good portion of it um as everybody was so um, that certainly made things interesting. But, yeah, we were still able to PT, just kept our distance. Um, they were careful about who they brought in to teach us, to really for our sake, to make sure that we could finish because that was really important to them, not, not losing anybody. How, so. many, how many folks were in your school? So we had combined. We were a split class, but there were about, um, about 30 of us total. Um, between the two groups a split so. class what is what is that yeah mean? so half the class came in with their emt already um and then the rest of us did not so they went ahead and put those of us including myself who did not have EM emt um through a, a course for that first um so we were just about a month behind the other group but we all we were together for some of our training um you know had lunch together and, and still got close to that other half of the class as well so Made for a good experience. So you had, other than your animal rescue stuff and your exposure there, you had no no certification, no previous experience coming into the job? I did not. Nope. Um, the only thing I had done was taken um, a couple of the ICS courses through FEMA um, as part of this um, Central Virginia um, Technical Large Animal Rescue Group that I was working with, which I also found pretty interesting. And I was taking those classes thinking, huh. I like this stuff too. It makes sense to me. So that was another one of those things. But no, I, I had not, um, I had not done anything in the fire service prior to this. It, it's all new to me. So recruit school, um, you know, but, but either EMT or fire, or pick one from each. <clears throat> what was you coming in? Call it cold. You didn't. You hadn't had any of this experience before. What was the mo What were the most challenging things for you, or the biggest surprises coming out of those classes? Um, on the EMS side, that was all new, but it wasn't, I don't know, you know, you, you sit there, you can sit in class and you can be really good at EMT class. You know, if you're a book nerd, not difficult. Just read, read the book, take the tests, you can get through that. You know, it has its moments for sure where you, you might have to work a little harder than you realize. But I think for that, the bigger surprise is getting out and realizing, um, how much decision making goes on and how much you have to have confidence in your decisions. So that's something that I think is an ongoing process. Um, I don't think you probably ever get perfect at it or you'd be 
you know, it's time to retire <laughs> by that point. But um, that's probably been the biggest the biggest change on the EMS side is just learning to make sound decisions and being at peace with them and moving on to the next thing from there. Um, on the fire side, as far as what's challenging and what was new and different, I would certainly say, um, you know, on the physical side, that's that that's something that you can probably never be ready enough for. And, that you know, if everyone knows that you can just prepare, prepare, prepare. Um, and get in the best shape you can, but it's still going to be difficult when push comes to shove. So um, that was something I would try to get ready for before recruit school, um, spend a good deal of time um, prepping for that. And then in recruit school, they did an excellent job um, training us through EMT school. And then when we went out to the fire grounds for the first time, um, it wasn't as big of a shock. But, you know, of course, we spent a lot of time working out in gear in recruit school, which is really the best way you can <laughs> prepare for this job functional that's exercise. right yeah there's i mean i mean honestly i found there's no replacement for for um training than working in gear to get ready to work in gear at least for me that's that's been the thing so what were you doing you say you were trying to prep yourself ahead of recruit school what type mm -hmm. of what type of work were you doing there to get ready yeah so i um i've always been really interested in working out so for the couple years leading up to before i applied i had been competitively powerlifting um so I'd been lifting weights basically four times a week, every single week for years. Um, and that was certainly helpful. I figured that would be um, one of the things that would actually, honestly, that helped me feel like I could apply to this job. I felt like I had the physical tools um, to have a base to go into it. Had I not been doing that, I think I probably would have struggled a bit more. But I also started running more often. So um, trying to get those in so I'd be ready for that first couple runs in recruit school that they tell you to get ready for. <laughs> so it's not a surprise. You know, everyone knows that's coming. Um, and we did a good bit of running in school. So that was certainly helpful for that. Um, and then just functional stuff. So, And I tell people the same thing if they're interested in applying. The best you can do is go out and drag things, pull things, push things, um, carry stuff. So um, added a little bit more of that kind of work to my programming as well, um, just to add a little bit of that type of conditioning. So all that stuff's helpful. You can never do enough of it. I think um, we all would benefit from <laughs> doing more of that every single day, you know, if we could. But um, that was certainly one of those things that I figured would make recruit school a little easier. And probably one of my favorite phrases I've ever heard is to control the controllables. So I kept that in my head through that whole application process. You know, I can't control the timeline. I can't control if they pick me or not. Um, but I can control being as fit as I can going into this. Um, so that was one of those things that I kept in my mind. So Anything really, you know, it, it sounds like you did an awful lot of work prepping up for it. Mm -hmm. um, did you did you have any in the uh, application process anything that popped out in your mind you weren't ready for or in recruit school you really weren't ready for or weren't prepared for either physically or mentally um probably the biggest thing would just be preparing for that feeling of not knowing what you're doing i think that was the toughest mentally for me the physical stuff was difficult don't get me wrong um but most of that you know the only way out is through so you can bull through it if you have to but it's difficult. You, know, you go from a situation where you you're comfortable in your job, you know what you're doing, you've you've been doing it a while, and and you feel feel fairly decent at it. To this new place where you know nothing, <laughs> um, you're not good at it yet, um, and you regularly kind of feel stupid as a result. Um, it's just the the nature of trying something new and and challenging yourself. So, I had to learn how to make peace with that feeling and just move on um, a lot. Not just in recruit school, but even just through this whole first year I've gone through. So. Um, yeah, you know, people like to talk about imposter syndrome all the time. It's kind of the new um, thing that comes up more frequently with people my age. But really, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. The fact that a lot of us feel that way. You know, you're 
you just feel like maybe you um, you don't deserve where you're at or you're not good enough. And I think these are things that you're kind of supposed to feel through that recruit school experience. If you go in thinking, you know, I'm totally comfortable, I know all this, you're probably in trouble anyway. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, um, But that's, that's taken some getting used to. Um, and, uh, you know, like most things, it gets easier with time. And you're not just going to go in and, and be the best at everything. You have to earn the experience. So it is really satisfying on the other side as you add, you know, slides to the slide bank. You know, some people hate that phrase, but it's true. You add things to the slide bank and you start to feel a little better about them and you get a little better at the skills that you're not good at. And you spend time on the things that you're, you're having struggles with and you realize, you know, that's a little better than it was a month ago. And you get the satisfaction on the back end. So it's, you know, it's, it's tough being new at anything, but you, you got to put in your time and earn it. So That's neat. I, I, I just went to a, one of the first conferences I've been to as a student in probably three or four years. Most of the other conferences I go to in the last three years since I retired, I'm always teaching something or, mm-hmm. um, or staffing a booth or doing other stuff for work and not mm-hmm. really there to learn. And I went to one a couple of weeks ago, and one of their themes was – there's no growth in the comfort zone, and they mm-hmm. were really pushing everybody to take that step to something that was unknown, that became challenging, and it sounds like that's where you went with this. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and this was one of those jobs going into it. Um, I knew it would grow me. And I talked about this a lot with my husband. You know, I felt like there was something else I was supposed to be doing. Um, I liked what I was doing before. I was It was very satisfying, but I thought, you know, I need to grow. This job will grow me, and I knew it was, you know, it's going to hurt. Growth hurts. <laughs> that's just how it is, but um, it's... It's certainly the right place for that, for sure. Um, and there's nothing like being a beginner to humble you real fast. So. There you go. So you graduated recruit school. Where did you go from then? So I went to uh, number two um, down on Hull Street as you're heading towards the Richmond City line going east. So we're over by the old Manchester Middle School. That yeah. was my first assignment. I'm sure the engine is a little newer. I rode mm-hmm. an R-model Mac on the tailboard okay. back in the day. Yep. But uh, they got a medic there too, right? They do. Yep. How, we is, have. Uh, how is it working between <laughs> engine and medic? So we've got um, it's a fairly busy station. So we've got an engine that that gets some good calls, and then the medic certainly stays busy over there. Um, and we we try to rotate. I think most stations run things fairly similarly around here, where we try to give people a break so they're not getting too burnt out. So you might ride on the engine, you know, ideally two days, and then jump on the medic the next day and rotate through like that. So. You know, obviously, with staffing, you, you make things work the way they are, and you give people a break who might be getting you know, a little tired from one thing or the other. But it works out pretty nicely. We've got a good rotation going on. And uh, you just got off duty this morning. We're at number four as a detail, it That's sounds right. like. Yep. Uh, what other stations have you kind of floated to that uh, you enjoyed working at? Um, a couple, and I've, I've had fun at a lot of them. I think there's a lot of benefit to getting out and seeing other people and doing other things. You, you see how stuff works elsewhere. But um, – been to 17, enjoyed working with them. I've gone to 25 a couple times, um, and that's a brand-new station, so it's kind of neat to contrast brand-brand-new um, with number two. <laughs> um, but it's it's a good place over there. It's, it's a little different, um, a little different area, and, uh, you know, they have some more rural land that touches them as well, so they get some interesting calls over there um, for sure. Uh, been to Nine. Nine's a nice place, too. Going to a truck house, that's, that's a good spot as well. Lots of good people over there, and, and we work with them pretty frequently, um, on a lot of calls just because of the proximity. So it's always neat going to a station and working with people that are already ones you're familiar with from calls. So you get to spend a, even a little more time with them and learn more from them. Um, you know, went to three, another truck house over there. So a lot, a lot of good places here. I've, I think that's one of those things where you, you really like where you work and you kind of get used to routine and it gets, 
you know, scary and uncomfortable sometimes going to new places and seeing new people. But honestly, it's I think it's pretty beneficial to get detailed out every once in a while or work some overtime somewhere new every so often. There you go. What? Uh, <coughs> so it looks sounds like it's about two years now since you've been in the station. Uh, I just finished my first year there about oh, that's, uh, right. that's yeah, yeah a couple guess a couple weeks ago there you so, go. so yep. 12 months or so worth of time in the house uh, mm -hmm. any big incidents that you look back on and go wow I'm sure I'm glad I was at that or that one was a challenge or yeah there's been uh there's been some interesting ones for sure um you know obviously um yeah everyone talks about the, the glass road fire and that was a big one um so that's something that'll stick in my mind for a very long time so you were at that one and for folks that don't know that was a um five or six fatalities mm -hmm. yeah. yeah single yeah. family home a uh, uh, couple of kids a really tough one i'll talk with joe harvey a little bit about it just hearing some of the mm -hmm. background and uh flashes me back to a fire on wicklow a very similar one yes. it sounds like yeah yep yeah. yeah i was on the medic that night um and then you know the rest of my crew was on the engine they pulled in did a whole lot of good work there but that was um certainly one of those ones where there's a lot you know, you, you look back at the night, it's a lot of the things are a blur because stuff moves really fast. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, we were there for quite a few hours um, to the hospital and back and uh, getting to see and hear what's going on and then digesting it later and um, debriefing a bit on it. There's definitely a lot to learn when you're new, just thinking, you know, how, how are things done and watching the flow. Um, but that that's for sure the biggest fire. And there's been some other little fires. Um, there's one, I got to pump one, I got to go in one a couple months ago, and both of those will stick with me forever, um, just because it's, you know, it's your first fire, so it's hard, how, how can you forget that? That's yeah. right. Yeah. So here's a question for you. When I, when I was coming up, uh, you, when your first engine, your first job you had to pump, mm -hmm. you had to buy steaks for the shift. Is that still a <laughs> tradition? Yeah, it, it certainly <laughs> is. We had good steaks, too. Um, so, yeah, we, we do that. Um, I've I've talked to other people in other departments where they do things like they make cake or whatever. I don't know. We do all the things. So sometimes if we're if we're hungry, we'll make dessert and do steak, or we'll just find some other good excuse to have steak. But yeah, that was a steak night. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, so what's uh, you, you know a little over a year in the job? What's mm -hmm. uh, what's your plan like? Do you have a plan looking forward, or are you looking forward to being promoted, paramedic, fire chief? <laughs> Yeah, there's. I guess there's a lot where I got to figure out what I enjoy and what uh, what strengths I have as as I go on in this department. Uh, right now, my biggest focus it's occupying most of my time is as a paramedic class. So I started that back in January. Um, so I've got a little little ways to go. We'll finish up around next April. Um, so it's it's getting there. Um, but that's priority one right now. Is just getting through that and um, spending some time as hopefully as an ALS provider. Um, in that role and just adjusting to that i think from there um don't have any solid plans yet i'm just gonna kind of get a better feel for uh, what the you know what options are out there what i enjoy um and honestly it, it it's probably good at this point just to enjoy this first couple of years of um having a lot of people to learn from around me and um, getting really solid at the basics so there you yeah. go and uh you mentioned you're a competitive lifter as well mm -hmm. um you got a competition coming up here later in June? Um, actually, I went ahead. I was planning on doing another one coming up here, but I ended up just doing one um, Saturday a couple days ago. So that was uh, that was the first one I've done since before COVID times. <laughs> so that was a really good time. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good day. So, yep. There you go. What else? Um, and also, I know like most 
uh, fire department types, you know, hobbies outside of the fire station, like the competitive weightlifting, but you've also mm-hmm. got uh, kind of a side business as well with photography. How mm-hmm. did you get into that? Yeah, so I started taking photos for a blog project I was doing back when I was working for the extension service, and that taught me how to shoot manual and got me into wanting to learn more about cameras and things. And um, I was into horses, always have been, so I was taking pictures while friends were riding and stuff. So it was a for fun thing that turned into something where people were starting to offer to pay me, and I thought, you know, I I have a business here, I think. And I've always kind of been interested in having a small business. I just didn't know what in particular. So the pieces fell together, and I um, started the photography business and turned it into an LLC around um, the early, early beginning of 2017. Um, so that works out nicely. It was something I could do on the side, really, with any full-time job because I could control, you know, how much I was doing. Um, so now with the with the fire service here, working working this job, it's kind of nice because it's a good creative outlet. It is still a business, don't get me wrong. So it is plenty of work. <laughs> um, there's a lot of administration to be done, and it's it's definitely not all fun fun times all the time. But at the same time, um, there's something to be said for leaving the job. Um, you know, when you're tired and going and doing something that is just completely different to kind of refresh your mind a little bit. Um, you know, you could certainly work overtime um, or other things like that for some side income at the job, but you kind of have to balance how long you're staying here and how much you're burning yourself out, you know, as with any job. So. And that the, so between the lifting and the photography, that's your kind of escape from the Oh, yeah. Community. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And I saw some of your pictures on your uh, email um, signature it had your website and I clicked on it just out mm-hmm. of curiosity some fantastic photographs of weddings and horses and dogs and yeah. graduations <laughs> and tons of other stuff if anybody wanted to reach out to you and say hey I, you know I kind of like your story I want to see what you got where, where can they find those sure so I've got my business just goes with my name because it was easier that way so Laura Siegel Photography LLC um, spell that out just in case yeah somebody. my last name's tough it's it's um S I E G L E. So if if you pull up that last name, it ought to show up. Cool. So. Yeah, yeah. Tr- encourage everybody to check those photographs out there. Some amazing ones, and uh, I don't know how you get the horses to pose <laughs> like that, but it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, anything else you want to share with us? Um, you know, when I when I talk to guys and gals that have been on the job thirty years, there's an awful lot of topics to dive into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been on less than two, so uh, you know, any any words of wisdom from the from the younger generation to the older generation who <laughs> might be out there listening today that uh you know they may need to just want to be aware of about what what this next generation of firefighters and fire officers are kind of thinking um you know i really hesitate to give advice to people <laughs> that have done this job for you know 20 or 25 more years or so than i have um that's a tough one i guess as far as insight though i mean i i would just say they're doing a very good job um i've had a great great first year experience from people with a lot more experience than I do um so I've noticed you know for the most part everybody I've run into has been really patient um sometimes they can just see through you in ways you don't understand I've had people you know tell me don't worry people are watching you I know you're worried about that it doesn't matter pretend like they're not there and I don't know how they read my mind you know (laughs) just things like that stick with you but you realize they've walked in your shoes so they know how you're feeling and all those those fears you have and things you're have an anxiety about when you're new um they've just moved on from it so they can help you with that so i have really appreciated just the way um those folks with experience have been willing to mentor and teach um honestly it it could be exhausting you know dealing with rookies over and over and over again and they haven't conveyed that feeling to me at all um which is really awesome so there's a lot of great teachers out there i've really really appreciated um 
just the the time that that they put in so you know continuing that and and also just continuing to show me what it would mean to be a good mentor so one day if I have a rookie at my station I can offer that same kind of help to them so that's been really great um I've talked some too to some f some folks that are newer looking into getting this um or interested in applying to fire departments or, or ones that are trying to get through recruit school experience and um yeah, I try to tell them little things that help me but basically if they read tell you to read the book just read it <laughs> it's better that way um with your emt books and your fire books just do it um that'll help you for sure um you know if they tell you to run go ahead and go do it it's just going to make your life easier i'll fall back on that phrase i love control the controllables so you know you may not be able to control all the parts of the process um but take care of what you can handle um and what you have control of i mean really it's it's pretty simple there so and uh, from experience, rookies can be exhausting, but it depends on the rookie. <laughs> so uh, some of them are easy to work with uh, mm -hmm. that like soaking up the knowledge and doing the job and getting better. And those are the those are the fun ones to work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, sounds like that's the, certainly the path you're on. So congratulations for that. Um, kind of wrap it up. Uh, anything in your first 18 months year uh, that is kind of your favorite part? What's the thing you look forward to doing or seeing most uh, when you go into the shift? Um, I guess the cliche answer is the people, but really, I mean, it's true. Um, you, you build a good group and they start to feel like family and you run good calls together and that really really makes a difference in the day. You know, people, you know, people joke about, oh gosh, I'm on the medic again or this or that, you know, the things that about the job that make you tired. But honestly, if you have the right people around you, that stuff is all just can be really enjoyable um that and then just doing the job so there's parts you know things like pumping a fire if you haven't done one yet all you think about is oh gosh you know i hope i'm really <laughs> on point when i gotta pump a fire or you know go into the first fire and you worry you know you have the training and you know you'll fall back on it but you just you know when you uh, at least in my case i can't speak for everybody but i was looking forward to doing those things but i was worried about whether or not i would have what it took to do it um and it's really nice feeling when you're driving to that call and you're like, this is it. Like we're going to fire. And then you see the little column of smoke and you're like, yep, that's on fire. <laughs> and you start to realize, you know, I get to do my job right now. And um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the people talk about tunnel vision, which is a big thing when you're new and it's, it's hard to shut that off sometimes, but that feeling you get of kind of calm that washes over you when you're not waiting to do the job, but you're getting to start to actually do it is really cool. So you know, there's always that anxiety going in. But once you start working, stuff starts making more sense. So that's been something on the job I've really enjoyed when you, you get to just start doing instead of waiting. And it's 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 a nice thing. Um, you know, that fire, the one I pumped, you know, you just you start doing things. And there's always stuff you look back on that you should have done differently or wish you did different. Or you, you count up a list of little mistakes you made. But, you know, you can learn from that, too, and take that away with you later and do it better next time. So, um, but that's... You know, just doing the job and doing it with good people are things that make it really worth going to every day. Cool, so. cool. And uh, I think you mentioned when we talked on the phone, your husband's a police officer. He is. Yep. Any yep. Uh, any sibling rivalry between <laughs> police and firefighters in the, at home? Yeah, some of my calls are a lot more fun when I go home and tell him about them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. No, but he uh, he enjoys the job a whole lot. He spent his whole life wanting to be a cop. Um, 
occasionally he would come home and joke, you know, oh, it's a firefighter day. I should have been a firefighter. <laughs> um, and I would laugh with him about that. So then when I applied, I was like, you know what? I think I should have been a firefighter. So I went and applied and got the job. And I was like, eh. you know, I bet you're a little jealous, which, you know, he jokes sometimes that he is. But it's, it is nice because, um, you know, he understands the first responder world. He's working on a different side of it. So he does primarily investigations and, um, you know, focuses on, on a lot of particular types of crime that can just be exhausting for him to, to do day after day and dealing with the same kind of people over and over. But he knows that feeling of burnout people can have or um, just the exhaustion from seeing people in these bad situations over and over. So it is nice because we have a lot we can share in common when we go that's home. Good. Yeah, versus, you know, someone that's never done this type of thing before. So that's really a nice benefit. But, um, yeah, I think there's times, you know, I, c I couldn't do his job. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes he wishes he had mine, but it, it makes it, you know, makes it fun. Yeah, so. we, I've joked before about most police officers think that way if they'd scored a little higher on the <laughs> test. <laughs> that's but, right. Uh, that's right. Being a police officer today in this uh, this environment is not an easy mm -hmm. task. And it yeah. uh, takes a special person to do that and stick with it. So mm -hmm. uh, thank him for his service. <laughs> and uh, thank you for yours. Uh, Laura Siegel, firefighter at number two in <laughs> Chesterfield. Uh, good luck on your career, Thank and uh, you. let's catch up uh, when you're ready to retire. We'll do this again and <laughs> Sounds good. do a retrospective. How's awesome. that sound? Sounds good to me. All right, thanks. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Firehouse Logbook Podcast. Uh, once again, if you have any ideas for guests, uh, please drop me a line at firehouselogbook at gmail.com or reach out to me via Twitter. Uh, the handle there is at fdlogbook or Instagram. The handle is at FD Logbook Podcast, or probably the best place to keep in touch and hear what's see what's going on on the uh, episodes and see upcoming episodes, as well as see pictures of our guests if we have those. Is uh, to make sure you follow along on the Facebook page. In on Facebook, just search Firehouse Logbook Podcast and make sure you follow along, and uh, you'll see when the episodes drop, and we'll have conversations there. And until next time, have a good day. Thank you.